Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. <laughs> I'm gonna fight your fucking ass. You don't got your plan touch butt with that dork in the park. Nah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the third episode of the MMA for Money show. We are coming off a big event, wishing it was the last event, but you know what? We didn't lose any money on this one, and we came up big on this one. Both of our individual bets went, and also a Twitter bet that I posted went. So if you would have followed both of our bets, you would have been at plus 2.9 units for the night if you also would have tailed a Twitter bet that I had out, and we'll do that. Uh, going forward, make sure you watch our Twitter accounts and also other people on the team. If you want a little bit more action, if you few more plays, do all three of those. You would have three nines, so just shy of four units of profit on our last event at UFC Copenhagen. Also, uh, starting at about this episode, if not this episode, the next episode, our official YouTube channel will be up. So if you could subscribe to that. Uh, like the videos, comment them, and we should backload some of the old videos. And we're also going to try to give you guys more content. It's not just going to be this podcast. We will also be having more miniature shows on there from other people that are on the MMA for Money team going forward and just give you guys uh, as much content as you can basically handle. Okay, before that, I want to say hi and introduce my co-host here, Mike Copenhaver. Uh, Mike, you have a new Twitter account. Can you blast that one out and start following you that follow the podcast? Yeah, it's uh, just at just cope, don't win. Uh, so just, just K-O-P-E, don't win. Power because it's the lowest fight on the card that we're actually going to cover. Jack Shore got a round three rear naked choke. Your bet, your pick. Would you please break this down and just show how it basically went exactly as you talked about on the show? Yeah, well, I couldn't have been happier with uh, Jack Shore's performance in front of his uh, his crowd, his home crowd. He came in there, he shot a single leg, that double leg, so good, and just uh, you know kept going after it and knowing that he was superior in that department. And it, it just, I just knew that he was going to get a, a, cho- a rear naked choke or a choke on that that kid because he tapped in the past and. Any, any, so anybody, someone, anytime you see someone tap in the UFC or MMA, you might as well put it on their, their resume that they're going to tap for life. So you can put that on that kid's uh, resume that he's a tapper. Exactly. Now, Mayweather's little protege, his little bodyguard, his first UFC MMA fighter signed his promotion, well, his management group, rather, and in the UFC scored his first win. He got a unanimous decision, 29-28 over DiCirico. Uh Just as a note, just putting that in there, because we did talk about it in the last show, did you come away with anything from this fight? That he's just going to kind of go a little bit of 50-50 in the UFC. What do you think? Yeah, I, it was it was all right, dude. You know, his first favorite as he was, I, I didn't. You know, it was what it was. I, I want to see him versus someone with some real mixed martial arts skills so that I could see him get his ass beat. 
No, I completely agree there. Now, this next fight we're going to talk about, I'm both excited for the result and a little bit pissed. So I guess if you would have gone with me and Mike's picks and our leanings, you would have also made money on this fight. We were both relatively high on Nicholas Dalby, who was coming back to the UFC after getting booted out and making a little bit name for himself on Cage Warriors. He fought Alex Cowboy Oliveira and won the unanimous decision 29-28. He performed great, even better than I thought he would, because I thought his win was going to come from uh, output and striking at range. And he actually tussled in there a little bit, got in the clinch, threw Cowboy down a few times, had some dominant positions on top. There was the questionable stand-up by the referee in the third round that kind of sealed the deal for Dalby. Uh, It would have been much more of a nail-biter if uh, Cowboy would have been able to be in that dominant position for the final, I believe it was two and a half minutes of that fight. But, I mean, great comeback for Dalby. And I guess if you would have followed our leans, that would have been another plus 165 going towards you. So, Mike, how did you see Dalby's performance there? I mean, I was excited to see that Oliver didn't quit like he has a tendency to do, but he definitely got beat up a little bit against some the caliber opponent that most people would have thought he would be able to clearly break through. What's your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I was a little bit more just a little bit disrespectful to Alex Oliveira last week, you know, talking about he's a quitter because he, he definitely is going to start quitting soon with the, all the face injuries that he's obtained uh, being such a wild man. But he definitely didn't uh, he didn't shy away from the, the fight or the scrap. And so I'll give him credit for that. But Dolby's Dolby's pretty impressive to me, man. I mean, he hasn't been in as many UFC uh, fights as Alex Oliveira or with his high caliber opponents. And for him to still be able to do that and, uh, you know, pull out a split decision versus Alex Oliveira is pretty impressive. And it just means that Dolby is made for this. You know, like he, he, he's definitely is just at the right in the right spot. At a stand up in the third round where oh. uh, Cowboy Oliveira was in a dominant position and from the looks of it, actually landing damage. And like I was utterly shocked by that stand up. And like I said, like. Not didn't hand Dolby the fight because Dolby still had to get in position and then he eventually got a takedown. But to take completely take away the position, have the fight go standing. I mean, it kind of blew my mind what the ref was doing. Yeah, I, I skipped past that. I'm sorry. That that shit blew my mind for real. But I mean, this is this is betting, you know. And there's 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 all kinds of people rigging some shit for for one particular side. And it seemed like, I mean, they wanted the home, to the the guy that's, you know, from the nearby country to, to have a better chance at it. So they stood him up. But that was in no means did he deserve a stand up. Oh, no, absolutely not. Now, the, this next fighter we were both fairly high on, and I think rightfully so, given his performance, uh, Michael Olenchuk was going for home run shots from the get go. He knocked down OSP at least once, rocked him a few times, and solid to the body. It was a great performance for the majority of the first round, even considering how much bigger OSP just looked than him. I mean, oh, man. And then OSP was able to get the Von Flu borderline Von Prune now choke in round two. I was a little shocked <laughs> by it. I know I mean, we, we didn't bet it, and we said that uh, the in the distance for – Michael Olenchuk was a decent amount of a uh, decent price. I believe it was either minus one five or minus one fifty. Although he went for broke, he went for it. He went for your money, but he just started gassing pretty big. He couldn't defend the takedowns as well. And honestly, the fact that he 
defended the takedowns as he did, given the size disparity in the first was borderline impressive. So, I mean, I guess OSP's chin lasted for the most part. But honestly, I came away with this more wanting to see Michael Lanchuk at 185 and excited about seeing him there than anything I'm given OSP for this fight. What about you? Yeah, I mean, this was actually this is almost what we always talk about. It's that it's that OSP that he, who's coming, who's showing up. I mean, do you want to fight the first round, the second round, or are you just going to come for the third? I mean, it, it's it was like I was smiling while it happened because I was thinking about how much I talk shit about him and uh, the white OSP, and it's uh it's just it was just hilarious to see. It. Like he looked like garbage. I mean, if anyone if anyone bet him. They they were sweating in bullets that first round, you know, and then it, the and when he for him to pull off his his choke, I mean it's not called a von Fu choke anymore. Let's it, it can be called the OSP. I mean there there's nobody that's better at it, and no one's done it more in the UFC than him, and uh, I think he deserves it because ha, has anyone even seen the other von Fu guy ever even submit anybody with that shit? Uh, most people watching the UFC now definitely haven't. I mean that was quite a number of years ago and he only secured two of them and i'm pretty sure uh they announced this would be osp's fourth yeah it's it's impressive but it, it was just exactly what you and i always talk about with osp that's why we can't bet on him and we don't bet on him is because i would have been shitting bricks at the beginning of that fight oh absolutely it almost even keeps you from betting either side of an osp fight because there's just so many fluke crazy things that can happen. And that's one of the things you and I talked about. I'm not sure if it made it onto the show, but we for sure talked about it off air that Michael Olenchek should just go in there and flatline him. But I mean, it's an OSP fight. So crazy stuff happens. It's just, there's, there's this like weird asterisk next to any fight he's in where there's this, a, a bizarre X factor. Like I can't remember, can't think of too many other fighters that have that. Now, in this next fight, I think a lot of people were a little bit too high on Khalil Roundtree, just in general. And I think it stems from the fact that, he obviously, he had a great recent performance against Eric Anders. And then he went on the Joe Rogan show, and Joe Rogan hyped him up so huge. And, yes, his Muay Thai is looking substantially better. His striking is looking substantially better. But... His wrestling game just still is not there whatsoever. He's still, for the most part, just a dead fish on his back. The main reason I didn't bet Ian Kudaleba here, and I'm pretty sure I talked about it in the last show, is I can't trust the dude's gas tank. He goes for broke from the get-go, which you do like to see, and it's going to equal a lot of early finishes. But whenever he gasses, he gets taken out late usually with a sub, just from being tired. But in general, his ground game, his wrestling, everything's pretty solid. He just gasses. And, I mean, this, he didn't have an opportunity to gas in this fight. He just went for broke and was able to put a clear round tree out of there with some hellacious ground and pound. But, I don't know, do you think everyone else was just too high on round tree? Uh, do you think there's a decent amount of stuff going for a uh, I mean, honestly, I think I would say if Q, uh, if Ion could fix his cardio issues, I would say he has a solid chance of being an elite light heavyweight. But I just haven't seen evidence of that, and I'm, I'm still waiting for that. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you credit because I think you were on uh, Kulaba as your as the pick in that fight. I can't remember uh, quite 
from right now, but I'm more upset with myself as I, I always watch the weigh-ins and I read the weigh-ins uh, to see uh, body language and just the way that people's vibes are. And when Cleo uh, Roundtree fought Johnny Walker, if you go back to the weigh-ins, um, and th- when they did the face-to-face, Cleo uh, Roundtree took this huge, massive, deep breath uh, in through his nose, out through his mouth, you know, the type you do when you have anxiety. And so he did that same exact thing after Kutlaba yelled at him, and I fucking saw it, man. I was, I'm so mad at myself, dude. I, I, I didn't bet the fight, but I just, I, I knew what that was, and he, I... It was the exact same fear that he had when uh, Johnny Walker smashed him into hell. So, uh, Kutlaba is amazing. I, I really do like his stand-up and his striking. It's just his, his cardio. And I don't know where he trains, but I, I, if I could imagine if he trained somewhere like ATT or somewhere, they, they could get his cardio uh, you know, pretty top-notch, and he could go on a little uh, destroying spree. Actually, now I'm spacing out. Am I wrong? Was this a middleweight fight or a light heavyweight fight? Now I can't remember. Um, this was a, because I can't Middle remember way. now. Mid- okay, I'll say because I, that's right. Because Kudaleba uh, debuted at 205 when he went against. Um, it was at 205. It was at 205. I'm sorry. But yeah, Cleo Roundtree and uh, Kulaba was at 205 pounds. I messed up and I thought it was at 185 pounds. But either way, uh, I don't think Roundtree's made for the, the UFC or uh, this caliber of fighting. He's just he's got great striking. He does he should just stay in Thailand and just beat up people. Uh, Gilbert yeah. Burns at the minus one twenty. We had him for one unit. That was a Twitter bet, not a pick on the show. But we both talked about how high we were on him on the show and said it was likely if his number dropped, and it did. He looked utterly fantastic. Uh, I mean, it was. Hard going there first in the first round, but one thing I noticed going on is, especially after the first round, starting to lose a little bit of energy and would just burn up against the cage and just tie him up, but not necessarily do anything. Eventually, he would try to go for a takedown, but while standing, would just hold it, whereas anytime there was a break or room for it, Burns would throw a shot, and those added up over time, not to mention the amazing... A uh, flying knee which landed so flush. Kudos to Nelson for even just gritting that and handling it. And then by the third round, Nelson had slowed down enough that Burns was starting to take advantage uh, in the ground exchanges and had a few big slams, one in the second round and then at the tail end of the third, stealing the round for him and getting uh, the unanimous decision. I get, I get the fe- one thing I see about these uh, karate-based fighters is their style is very elusive. It's very hard to deal with. But as they start getting up there in age and the speed starts to go, they can't snipe as much. So they start getting taken out by these guys that will just pile on the pressure and pile on the output. I think that's what's happened to Machida. And I think that is somewhat what's happened to Wonderboy, even though the last fight you could say was a fluke. And I, I do kind of think it was a fluke when Pettis took him out. I think Nelson's kind of figured out. Uh, and I think he's only going to beat the guys that he has an absolute clear advantage in one area on and in this one when the striking was failing him he couldn't fall back to the jiu-jitsu because burns was comparable if not better on the ground i I guess what's your impressions of burns now in his second fight at well i mean technically third he debuted at welterweight before dropping down to lightweight but in the second run at welterweight his now second fight now two and oh 
how do you see his chances at welterweight, uh, impressions on the fight, and who would you like to see him fight next? Well, you and I both uh, liked Gilbert Burns, and we were high on him. We both knew that his jiu-jitsu would be uh, just as good as Nelson's, if not better. And Nelson, I, I just don't, I just, I never was that high, I, that high on him. I, I didn't really like the way, I don't really like karate uh, fighters. They're, they're point fighters, and once, like you said, once they get pressured or backed up against the cage, they're, it's like their brain scrambles, and then they go into, like, berserko mode. So they don't really, they don't perform as well, or they, they freeze up. But uh, Gilbert Burns is actually getting more impressive each uh, time he fights. The thing that impressed, the thing that he lacks is it was uh, cardio was his main thing. But for him to get the takedown in the third round to seal up that win versus Nelson, it, it shows you a lot. It means that he's trying and trying harder, and his gas tank's getting better for him to be able to complete that takedown when he really needed it. And it did seal up the win in my eyes. No, I, I completely agree, and I don't know, going forward, he's just he's going to be really interesting to watch at that weight. Uh, and the co-main event of this, honestly, this wouldn't have been a co-main event if this was anywhere else but Copenhagen, but you had the Olympic silver medalist, Mark Madsen, completely demolish his opponent in the first round. Huge cheers from the crowd, huge pop, all that stuff. I wish I got a better translation of what he said, uh, in his native tongue, the crowd all riled up because when he spoke in English, it was like the driest. <laughs> it sounded. Like he didn't, didn't it? He didn't even seem happy about winning. Oh <laughs> man, you you've seen a, a Fight Club, uh, you know the gypsies, and they start talking all weird. Yeah. That's how it sounded like when Brad Pitt starts talking in gypsy. Oh, I think you mean Snatch. Oh, Snatch. I'm sorry. My bad. Oh, no. I got. Both Brad Pitt fighting movies. It all works. Yeah, my bad. My bad. <laughs> oh, no. It, that, that's why. But it was the craziest thing because he went from, yeah, he's speaking yeah. English like he barely did anything, which, I mean, it was super, over super early in the first round. So I, I get why he's not tired. But just deadpan, basically just said, yes, this was good. And then politely asked if he could speak to his native peoples <laughs> and had 10 times the emotion and 10 times the reaction. So... Uh, I mean, I guess, how do you see him going forward? I guess this wasn't much of a test. And at uh, lightweight, it's such a heavy wrestler top. I mean, he's going to get launched up there pretty quick, given the Olympic credentials, but not seeing him push too many tickets unless it's in Europe. So I guess they might do what they've done in the past and keep him as a Europe fight card-based fighter for the first few fights. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess, where do you see him in the division so far? Uh, What kind of upside do you see? I mean, he is 35, but... What can we get out of this guy? I mean, he he, he did a good job versus a, a scrub, you know. I mean, he, he's an Olympic wrestler, and he's over there fighting some dude that doesn't even know how to wrestle. So I can't be I can't get too like crazy about how it was and how good it was. It it was a uh, it was whatever, you know. And for especially for as big as a favorite, but I think that I don't think that he farewell uh, in in anywhere in the UFC's division. It's the there's too way too many killers that I've wrestling with striking and I, I don't I we haven't even seen him get uh, punched in his face really so I, I'm I want to I want to see that reaction because I know his instant reaction is going to shoot for a takedown so I, I just I think that this if they're smart they keep him over there in uh, Europe and let him just sell out uh, some tickets for them and that's about it I mean normally uh, when we do this show we will do the entire previous card and go over it we will do fight announcements in the middle, 
and then we'll do a preview of the next one. But just all this talk about lightweight and wrestlers, I just got to do the only little bit of breaking fight news that we're going to talk about this time. Just today was announced that Kevin Lee is going to return to lightweight against Gregor Gillespie at UFC 244 in New York. Uh, two powerhouse wrestlers. Uh, Gillespie is finally getting a ranked opponent. And I don't know, just thinking about uh, Madsen in that mix, I think if he would face either of these guys, he would get destroyed. Um, my initial lean on this fight before we eventually go back uh, to Copenhagen for the main event, and I'll toss it to Mike for his initial reactions. I think Gregor Gillespie is going to just smush Kevin Lee down. I think Kevin Lee just keeps thinking he's going to – he doesn't have a plan B ever, in my opinion, and I think he's going to think he's the superior wrestler because he's got quite the confidence in himself. And I think the first time he tries to initiate it, he's going to get controlled and he's going to have a mental shutdown. And I wouldn't be surprised if Gregor gets a late sub. Uh, obviously, I haven't seen any type of odds or anything like that, but that's just my initial leaning. What's your initial leaning on this fight? And then we'll uh, jump back to Copenhagen for the main event. Uh, I, this is why I love uh, doing a show with you is because I, I think exactly the same as you. Gregor Gillespie is going to fuck Kevin Lee up, dude. Kevin Lee ain't going to do shit to him. Not wrestling, not nothing. He ain't going to do nothing. Not not a goddamn takedown. Not a, Nothing. Nothing. And then Kevin Lee's going to get punched in his fucking face and probably knocked out. That's probably what's really going to happen. Gregor Gillespie's wrestling is top, 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 top notch. It's way, way, way better than Kevin Lee's. It's no joke, man. He's, he's not Khabib, but he's just very, very, very top-heavy. And he and he's just, he's really, really strong, dude. So Gregor Gillespie also, to me, has better striking than uh, Kevin Lee because Kevin Lee has a, ch- a suspect chin as well. So I, I in, in every department... I, I like Gregor Gillespie in this. I think this is a showcase fight for him to win and uh, make a name for himself. Man, I'm, I'm hoping since he kind of stays out of the public eye and Kevin Lee is sober boast that we're going to get dog money on Gillespie. I, I would love that. That would be definitely be a, a lot of money put down on my part if uh, he was plus money. So fingers God, crossed. I, uh, every, yeah. Everybody you hear to hear first. We're, we're both going to be big if that's plus money. <laughs> yeah, get, give me a plus 150 and I'm slamming. Oh, oh that'd be so great. Okay, now, uh, sorry, we uh, geeked out for a second uh, for thoughts of the future. Actually, that's not that far away, because we're going to be talking about UFC 243, and that's for UFC 244. But uh, in the main event of uh, UFC Copenhagen, I'm going to give myself a little bit of pat on the back for this one. This was Jared Cannonier getting a TKO in the second round over Jack Hermanson. And I'm giving myself the pat on the back because this was a plus 190 pick on my part. The only downside about that is after betting the plus 190 by the time we talked about it on the show it was plus 230 and by fight time it was plus 245 so i guess my only uh wish was that i would have bet it later i guess but that was uh, my pick for the show uh plus 1.9 units for all you guys if you followed that one and like i said if you follow both of our bets for this last one it was plus 2.9 units 3.9 if you also followed the twitter bet now jerry ken near looked fantastic i i thoroughly enjoyed I, I was nervous for a second when uh uh hermanson got that body lock and because i do do still think cannonier has an issue with wrestlers but as long as he can outlast them he seems to have power deep into the fight I'm, i mean i guess that's from coming all, coming down all the way from heavyweight now at middleweight but every one of his shots, it was like every shot was like a piston out of his hands. You just saw just the speed of the punches and the power behind him. 
Hermanson just sprinted to the other side of the cage and was just doing these fast leg kicks. Like, they almost seemed like nervous leg kicks. There's not a lot of power behind him. And Ken Neer landed, like, one or two. That borderline sent Hermanson spinning. And he survived well, was able to reverse at one point, uh, Ken Neer, and then just put the power on him in the second round. I thought it was going to be a first-round finish for him if he got the finish because I worried about the latter half of the fight because I do, do think that Hermanson can adapt, but he just seemed, I don't know if it was too hyped from the crowd or what, but he just did everything early on and then collapsed later. So uh, what's your thoughts on uh, Cannoneer going forward in the division? Like, Because after this, he's got to be ranked. He's got Because he came in uh, the event at 9, so he's got to be getting closer to the top five so who would you like to see him fight next uh your opinion on the performance and i guess how you feel about her and being so deflated because he almost kept this as a keep busy fight for the title <laughs> oh man i well, i'd like to just give my partner props because there's no one with bigger balls than bob to pick uh jared cannonier last week and i don't think anybody else did i mean <clears throat> bob and i were the only two people that basically went out there on a limb and said that he was going to win and had better striking than uh, Jack Hermanson. Everybody was so high on Jack because his ground and pound and his ground game is really good, but it's it's his striking lacks, man. And it's that same striking that Gunnar Nelson lacks. It's the same striking that uh, uh, Kevin Lee lacks. It's You're going to get punished, you know? And so I, I'm stoked that I was there with you to, uh, to ride along with that Jared Cannonier. And uh, the plus 195 uh, movement to plus 230, it's just a great lesson for all you fans that uh, whenever you see that line movement like that, that means that the public is slamming one side. So everybody slammed uh, Jack Hermanson, and that moved the money over to make uh, you make more on Jack- Jared Cannonier. That's the type of line movement that MMA for Money, uh, Jason, Jay, our boy, is known for, is reading those lines, that line movement, and being on the right side because you don't want to be on that side of the public that they're slamming. It's, it's just never good. No, I completely agree. He's been talking about that forever and you'll get more of that insight ongoing from us and other guys on the team with articles going up on the site and just future stuff we're going to have come into the YouTube. Now I already did the, the fight news. So again, a little bit out of order, but we're going to shoot over to UFC 243. They're going to try to break the all time seating record that they were able to set one of the last times down there when it was Ronda Rousey versus Holly Holm, although this one is a title unification bout in the middleweight division with Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whitaker. Now, before you get too excited, we're not going to start there. We're going to jump a little bit lower. Um, Since this fight card is a little bit lax, we're pretty much going to talk about the main card. Uh, One fight I have on here, I don't think it's on the main card. Sometimes the bouts get reordered i just have it for name value and just something i find a little bit shocking uh we might just do kind of just picks for most of the main card we're really only going to talk about talk about the co-main event and the main event because no offense to the rest of them but those are the only fights really worth talking about and if either of those fell out this would not be pay-per-view worthy so the first fight i just want to throw out there mainly because the odds i think are ridiculous are uh, megan anderson is a minus 500 favorite over Zara Dos Santos, another striker. And Megan Anderson is a striker. I know she's long. I know she's big. This is also someone who's fought the majority of her uh, career at 145, Dos Santos, that is. And she's a plus 400 underdog. I just, 
I would never trust, and I, it, it opened lower than this, but I would never trust Megan Anderson at this big of a favorite. And it almost makes me want to throw a little bit of a dart at Zara, uh, Zara Dos Santos at the plus 400, especially if it gets any higher. I mean, I'm only talking about maybe like a half unit or so, but I could easily see Megan Anderson giving this fight away and just getting her face punched up. Because as much as she's a striker, she doesn't defend strikes. And this could be an incredibly close fight that gets her on the wrong side of the division. I don't care if this is hometown. So I guess I'm going to pick Dos Santos, and I'll let you guys know if I throw a dart in this or not. Mike, what's your pick on this fight? And if you don't really feel like talking about it, you can just give a fight and we'll move on because the fight itself is lackluster. Well, I love uh, betting against Megan Anderson when I can. Uh, I personally called her out a couple times on Twitter because she just uh, she likes to run her mouth about certain things. But uh, Megan Anderson, I I, I am the, feel the same way. I think the line is completely off. Um, girls' fights should never be this this one-sided uh, because anything can happen. I mean, we just saw what uh, Sajara Eubanks just lost to um, Beth Corey. She was like negative 360, you know? So it, it shows you. That, and that was a closer fight than than this. I, I that's a, That was a close fight. So uh, with this fight, I... The only reason I'm going to go with shithead Megan Anderson is just because it's in her home country. And um, the other girl, is, is she's lost a few unanimous decisions to some scrubs in the lower classes. So I don't like that. And Megan's had a little bit of skill now with a couple of these world-class people in the MMA and uh, UFC. So I, I'm gonna, I, I'll lean towards her, but I, I, don't, I wouldn't bet her. I wouldn't tell anyone to bet her. And I'm done with it. No, totally with you on that one. Uh, the next fight we're going to talk about, Jake Matthews, the what they originally thought was going to be their big break into uh, uh, Australia and be a poster boy who hasn't quite struck the way they want him to, is fighting at welterweight, uh, being a huge lightweight now moving back up. I think it's his second or third fight at that weight. He is getting a setup fight, in my opinion. He's currently minus 280 versus uh, uh, Rostam. Akam, apologize for the butchering of that, uh, who is plus 240. I'm going to pick Matthews because he is the better athlete. He's actually one of the better athletes from that area, and he still has so much promise, and he's still relatively young. But I don't know. I've, I've lost money on him enough times that I would never put money on him. He's on that list of fighters I just can't bet. But skill for skill-wise, he should walk away with this. So my pick is Matthews. Mike, where are you here? Yeah, I'm I'm with Matthews too. Uh, the other guy doesn't have enough doesn't have enough experience, especially in the UFC with these world class athletes. So I would go with uh, Matthews to finally uh, get a nice little win in front of his country. The next fight is the lesser Lima brother, uh, Diego. <laughs> um, hey, sorry, Diego, but your brother Douglas is a superior in every way. And he's one of my best. favorite welterweights. No, he's, he's the he's best. Amazing. Oh yeah, and you are like it's okay to be in the number two. We we talk about with, <laughs> with uh, brother fighters that there's always a lesser. You can't be equal. There's always a lesser. So I'm I'm sorry you're the lesser Lima, but that's just where it's at. Yeah, he's a minus 150 favorite against Luke Jumo at plus 130. Uh, Luke Jumo is a local guy there in Australia. Lima, skill for skill, I think he he's better everywhere here except for chin i guess i again i can never trust lima with his chin he's currently minus 150 if he had a solid chin like his brother i think he could be a minus 300 here 
But again, he's not someone I like to bet on, but I guess I will pick him. So I guess I'm picking Lima, but no bet at the minus 150. Where are you at, Mike? Yeah, I'm with Lima as well. Uh, Juno doesn't have doesn't have it. He doesn't have uh, the the full mixed martial arts game to take uh, Lima out, and that's that's just my opinion. But I, I wouldn't bet this fight. Now, Taitu Avasa is coming back, another Australian favorite. He is fighting Sergey Spivak, who is coming off a loss, a TKO loss. And I'm not trying to hold that against him because I have not been overly high on Walt Harris over time. Don't think he quite has it, although he has improved. Um, I think this is a setup fight for Taitu Avasa. He is, a, I forgot to say, he's a minus 380 a minus 380 against the plus 315 of uh, Sergei Spivak. They obviously want to get uh, Taitu Avasa back on track, hometown guy, put him in a good position, and hopefully a good position where he can get the finish. And I do think he can, provided he bum-rushes the guy like he is known to do and gets him down and does some of that heavy ground and round in the first round because Taitu Avasa guesses so terribly. So, yes, it's a huge favorite, but picking Taitu Avasa... Mike, do you think Spivak has a chance? Uh, hell no. Uh, Tai Tuivasa should finish this kid in the first round, just like he got beat up by Walt Harris. There's no way that this kid should be uh, swinging with Tai Tuivasa unless there's some rigged shit to, that they didn't want Tai Tuivasa to win in the first round, or some, they didn't want they didn't even, some judges' decisions. But he should finish this kid and end it fast. Now, since you have a bet in this next fight, I'll let you lead it off. I'll just set it up with the odds. Currently, it's Al Iaquina in the co-main event at plus 135 versus Dan Hooker, the favorite, at minus 155. Well, this is going to be a great fight, and uh, this... Alaquinta is the OG in this spot, and I, I never... I don't like going against the OG, and this is one spot where his jiu-jitsu is, I just feel like way above uh hookers i just don't see him doing anything with his jiu-jitsu to hooker or hooker doing anything jiu-jitsu wise to Iaquinta. and then al's uh striking is is pretty sneaky sorry guys there's a, a fire department going by um so uh Iaquinta, i is just sneaky he's been there with so many veterans in the game he's he's got so many sneaky tricks I just feel like uh, with that line movement that we were taught by MMA for money and the, I guess the great odds you're going to get on them, that I, there's no way that I'm not going to throw a unit down to a win 135. And I, I completely get that side because you and I were talking a little bit before the start. And before I saw the odds on this, I had thought I was going to bet Hooker. I, I really thought I was. But I thought these odds were going to be flipped. I thought I was going to have halfway decent uh, dog money on Hooker. And I thought he had a chance to do enough and also get a little home field advantage if the de- if the decision is close, because I know Iaquinta Simmons has issue with those close fights uh, for the judges. But now seeing it the other way, I mean the value is definitely on Iaquinta because if I would line this fight, I would have it flipped. I would have Iaquinta easy as minus 150, and I was just eyeing that dog money. But yeah, so I completely understand your side on this, and let's get that money. Now, in, in the main event, this is a title unification bout for the interim title held by Israel Adesanya at middleweight. He is currently a minus 115 favorite versus 
Robert Whitaker, a.k.a. Bobby Knuckles, at minus 105, the current middleweight champion to unify this belt. I've been excited for this fight since it got announced. Um, well, it announced the first time, and even more so with this go-around. I think Adesanya is awesome, but I think one thing going against him, as odd as it is, is the UFC have tabbed him as their guy, their new guy. And I have no issue with them doing that, but usually when they go all-in, overlook a current champion or contender, it does not go their way. I.e., last time they were in Australia having a big title fight and had Holly Holm completely take out Ronda Rousey. Granted, this is a much closer fight, and that had to do with a lot bigger odds, but I am just can't get out of my head the struggles that Adesanya had with Kelvin Gastelum. And I love Kevin Gastelum, and I've overlooked him a few times, but I, I, I did like his chances in that fight. Uh, I still thought he was going to lose, and it was a blood and guts fight. And if it, Adesanya wouldn't have come on strong in that fifth round, he's losing that fight. Um, I just saw the basic boxing of Kelvin just do so much damage to him, and I think Whitaker has such superior boxing to Kelvin, not to mention you throw in uh, his wrestling and just his all-around athleticism. He has much more explosive power and uh, speed than Gastelum, in my opinion. So one hard part for me, and you and I were talking about this, if the Adesanya that fought Gastelum fights Whitaker, man, I'm on Whitaker all day. I am on Whitaker all day. I'm not even worried about it. I'm not even thinking. But Adesanya does get so much better from fight to fight. And this is his first time with some serious time between fights. Uh, he has six months between his last fight and this fight to get better. Whereas before that, he had, I want to say it was six fights inside of 17 months or something crazy like that. Like, his pace has been ridiculous. So it should be a great fight to see. But I think that uh, Whitaker is getting a little bit of disrespect. So currently, I have to win one unit at the minus 105. I haven't quite plugged that in yet, but it will likely be at that odds or right around there. I will post the official odds that I get uh, on Twitter when I put out my bets, especially if maybe it tips at plus money. That would be wonderful. But currently, it's at the minus 105. So what's your thought on the main event here at UFC 243, Mike? I couldn't be more stoked for this matchup, man. This is one of the rare times where you're going to get two world-class striking athletes, and it's going to be amazing. I, um, I don't like the disrespect for the champion either. I love Robert Whitaker. I think that everyone and their mother is on Adesanya, and uh, I, it just scares me. And he did have a lot of problems with Gastelum, and we all know that Whitaker has, has stood through some wars to win him. So I, I, I love your pick here. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with, I would go with the veteran too, and that, or, and that's the champion, you know. And I would ride along with you with that, uh, that bet. Just want to quick talk about the main event of this upcoming fight card. Just that, just a quick pick. It's Krishkov versus Larkin, minus 135 for Krishkov, plus 155 for Larkin. Just a quick pick from you. Which side do you think you're going? Oh, man. It's this one is a very – I'm so confused on this one. And so I, I, I'd ha, I just have to go with uh, Larkin. Yeah, I think I'm going to go the other side on Krishkov. Just – I think he has – not the power advantage, but just think all-around toughness, and I think he likes to hurt people more, as weird as that sounds. Uh, that was just for fun pick. 
Um, yeah, we'll that's fine. I, I would a little bit more. I would uh, favor Bob's pick over that because I just made a split second choice. So. Oh, dude, it's, it's no worries. It's it's an interesting matchup, and it's gonna be exciting to see two like powerhouse strikers going against each other. Um, in the future, we'll try to cover Bellator a little bit more. Uh, we've been a little bit rushed, and we're a little bit out of the norm now, as you could tell here in the ambulance for Mike and any possible car noise you've heard from me. So uh, just, Mike, if you have any shout-outs to quick give, otherwise we'll start wrapping up the show. No, I'd just like to thank all you fans out there for listening, and uh, hopefully you keep cashing these bets with us, and we keep putting out uh, good products for you. I just want to give a shout-out to uh, – uh, Benjamin Abrigo, uh, Benny Abs uh, on Twitter. He is a good follow and has some. Uh, he just his articles are very interesting going into main events. He has a unique take on it, including uh, stylistic matchups. If you guys want to check that out. Now a quick review. Uh, our bets currently for this fight card is a one unit on Ally Quinna at plus 135 for Mike and a to win one unit on Robert Whitaker at the minus 105 for me. So keep your eye out for our YouTube. We'll blast that out when it's available so you can subscribe. Uh, keep listening in. And honestly, thanks for listening this time. Peace. <laughs>